everybody. It's the MPG Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Josh Mosler. This week, I got Chelsea Phillips from the Chelsea Phillips Group and Six Bricks Realty kind of operating under. Yes. How's it going? Good. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> How are you? Good. Good. Um, election day. It's a crazy day. It is a crazy, crazy day. I'm so excited for some of those texts to stop, though. <laughs> like, that'll be... That'll be nice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All the ads and stuff. Like me and my wife have been watching TV uh, sometimes and we're like, whoa, this is terrible. So I'm the worst. Like I never, we don't even have a TV up in our house. Like there's just other things I feel like I should be doing. I, I can't sit still anyways. So I haven't been inundated with that. But like as a realtor, you have to answer every phone number that calls. And so half of them are like, hey, you know what Joan, John Osnoff did this week? And I'm like, I don't know, but I, I really don't need to. Are you looking, like, can I help you in another way? This is... You want to buy a house? Yeah, that's that's what I need to know. Like, that these are your questions or my questions. And I'm like, I have never called an expired or for sale by owner in my life. Like, what do I do to deserve all these calls from the things? But I don't know. Our business line's been getting blown up too. I think it's just because probably like our phone numbers are out there, yes. right? And so they're just like, pulling every phone number they can right yeah right just like get the word out Ugh. and it's hard because usually you know statistically between october and november there's usually like an uh, the number the percentage of the market historically drops since like 1960 like 9.8 percent but during election years it drops even more right so like almost more than 12 percent so things slow down a little bit usually it makes it up for it the next year but it is it is something that affects the market. Now, the super low rates have been keeping people hopping even during coronavirus. But I mean, there's definitely, and you know, it's it's hard to stay on top of everything that, how this could affect the real estate market. Cause really that's not my only concern, but it's a big one. Cause that's what I need to be able to talk to clients about. Right. So like when Joe Biden, says he doesn't want 1031 exchanges anymore like that uh oh like that would hurt but do i really think anyone could ever pass that no probably not like it's been brought up before you know so trying to stay on top of all the issues but not letting those i mean those are not the reasons obviously you should make a decision but it is something you should be prepared for with the outcome of any election like i don't know if you saw the ballots there was a, a provision about um taxing nonprofits who own yeah pro like if that happened do you know how many more properties would be opened up like these are things we should be paying attention to because these are the things that affect the real estate market the local stuff yeah yeah so i mean that's huge do do we know what that would do yes like that there's so many properties that because i mean will be held forever because they don't have to pay taxes on them and so I mean, and it's great for things like, you know, churches and stuff that they don't have, but then they also own these extra lots or there's some that have like demolition by neglect in the historic districts. They've just been ignoring them. They want them to fall down and it doesn't matter to them because they're not paying taxes on it. Like, right. And those could be something that someone could restore or do something with. SCAD owns so much of downtown and no taxes and, you know, what's this salary now and not that SCAD does not bring a lot to Savannah. They totally do. But I mean, sh I think Paula makes the highest of any president, um, right. Paula Wallace. 
yeah, like higher than Harvard. I think it's like, and you know, her residence is written off by the college with no, te- you know, I didn't nice know house. that. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. But I mean, these are things that really affect the downtown. So if those, those people were paying more, first of all, it'd be more money for our city. Yeah. But secondly, it would have a dramatic effect on like availability, I feel, of properties or things that could be restored because a lot of t- times they don't have to sell because they're not doing anything. So right. I, I, there's so many things that come up to an election that you we should be on the lookout for. And as soon as we get a reading either way, we need to make sure that we're telling our clients like, hey, we need to be prepared for this. This is what most likely is going to happen. This is what the things are going to happen Like if if there's something coming up. So elections are... Like, even though I'm not, I do not watch the, I do not want to get involved in like the minutia or like who's ever hurting whoever's feelings. But I do feel like I have to be on top of what the outcome could be for the real estate market. Regardless. Yeah. So just have like a contingency in place for either outcome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's the most important thing. Shifting markets. That's when most millionaires are made. Like if we're not prepared and we're not looking at what could happen and we just react to it, I think that that's a hard, hard call and would be super bad for, I mean, I feel like I'm responsible for a lot of people's financials. And if I, I wasn't, you know, on top of things, I could really hurt them. And that would suck. We've talked about it before on this podcast. Uh, somebody buying their house is really the biggest investment a lot of people will ever make. Right. Yeah. Biggest fiscal, like you can set them up for life if you help them find the right investment or you could like ruin their fiscal future. If you, I mean. It's a lot of responsibility when you put is, it like that. It is. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing. Like, uh, you know, I don't think that most real estate courses, most anything, like they don't talk about what the how things are going to affect it or whatever i mean that's that's on the person it's not covered in this silly 80 hour course i mean that's enough stuff so that you don't get arrested but like you want i don't know like obviously i'm dorkily passionate about real estate and i probably think that it's take it way more seriously than i should because I don't know. Other people have like hobbies and things and whatever. But I really do feel like this is how I leave my mark on the world by making uh, like great people that I'm lucky enough to have in my life with money and being able to enable them to like live the lives they want. I feel like that's a great segue into what our normal first question is. Oh, so now I'm the, so sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. So oh, the, wow. I felt like we should address the election since it's like a, the elephant in the room, I guess. Yes. You know, Because that's like unique to this week. But uh, usually I start out by asking, so what's your journey from 18 to here? But more specifically then, where did that drive come from in that journey? Like, where did you find that? So from 18 to here? So Yeah, like we graduate high school. Right. What's the trajectory? How do you get from there to right now? So I actually, um, uh, both my parents were real estate brokers. Okay. They both do not do real estate the way I do real estate. Like my mom is down in Palm Beach and she like sells you know, million dollar man, she doesn't know what a VA loan is, if she could save her, like, just no. And then my dad's on the other end of it. Either way, I just always thought the way you could set someone up for, like, you can't have any more impact on 
a fan, like then helping them buy or sell a house. Like there's no car sales, there's no thing. Like if you do the marketing in the right way, or if you do this, like you make them do this before they sell, you could give someone else $8,000. Like you just can't do that anywhere else. And so, I mean, or you find them a duplex that's going to cash flow at this and teach them about cap rates. And I mean, there's no other way for me to like help people in the same way. And being able to do that and do it for the right reasons just means I can give back more to nonprofits and stuff. And like, because at the end of the day, to me, it is all about how you've affected the world around you. So did, as soon as you turned 18, you graduated high school, you knew that that was what's going to happen? I No, I actually went off to Duke because everybody told me I should and I had really good essays. So, um, but they didn't have, I, I really like marketing and real estate. I, I did always want to be in real estate. Um, they, they didn't have marketing at that point. They had public relations. So I transferred to College of Charleston for the marketing, but they didn't have a great real estate program. Then I transferred to UGA and graduated with a degree in real estate and marketing. Um, because I did, I always kind of, it's not, it wasn't like my backup plan or my thing after so sad. Like other kids wanted to be astronauts and ballerinas. And I was like, I wanted to do real estate and I wanted to do it. My uncle was a commercial broker in Savannah and we came down here like every other weekend and I loved it. I loved the market. I love the history. I love the architecture. I love that it's small enough to be controlled, like Atlanta, New York, I would never be able to know like all the companies that are buying there, how that's affecting the market or, you know, and I do, I feel like I need to know all of those things to best inform clients. So it's a market that I can have that kind of control over. And also like it's a super solid market, even during shifts, um, you know, we have a lot of very stable economic uh industries that you know the ports keep expanding the military a lot of our stuff is super state so we never see the high highs of right. other markets or the super low lows and i know this is stupid into going into why i chose this market but i i did try to think about those things and how i wanted how and where i could make a biggest difference and that was savannah was a pretty easy easy call so when you graduated from UGA, you came straight here, and then did you work under your uncle or? No, um, he's actually in Atlanta, like he does it everywhere. Um, but my, I actually came here at to the Army Corps of Engineers as a real estate specialist because during that time I wanted to learn the market, and I thought that was super important. So I did that, and during that time I toured a number of homes, like easily got my real estate license, but I, I feel like when someone just jumps into a real estate market and maybe doesn't know everything, it's just not, I, I would feel bad. I don't know. I, I feel like it might be a little irresponsible to help someone in that state. So I thought it was definitely important to learn the market, know what was selling that, why for highest price per square foot, what, you know, what averages were in a neighborhood, what were affecting certain markets. Like, so I definitely did that while being a real estate specialist at the Corps of Engineers. So that was just helping like military, PCS and stuff. But um, the biggest part of it was um, making sure that I knew this market before I ever tried to do anything in it. So once you got done with the Army Corps of Engineers, then did you 
just immediately form your own team or were you on somebody else's team for a minute? No, I was every, so like when you start in real estate, they tell you to have like six months or a year salary. I was everyone's, I, I don't know. There's another word for bit. Um, everyone's like, what? I, so there was. Like errand girl. Yes. Errand girl. I was the one who was like, we can co-assist and let me go pressure wash it on a Friday and like, we'll get it ready and listed and I'll coordinate all the things. Um, or people who didn't understand about like technology. I'm the average age of a realtor is 55, right? I didn't know that. Holy cow. Yes. So it's not like everybody was super prepared to, and it's an industry with the 80 hour course at the beginning. And then like there's up following up trainings, like 36, but it's not necessarily training on how to market or how to be better for clients. It's how to like get more clients and it's how to, you know, change these on a document. It's not, in my opinion, there's not as much available about growth and stuff. And so those are things you have to like seek out and learn. And so I've always loved that stuff. I've always loved being, I think, you know, standing still or, you know, not growing or learning each day. I, if you're not moving forward, I feel like you're dying. So I feel like intentionally push to be better every day because if not you'll get you're going to get left behind so i did made like marketing things set up facebook groups for different agents basically i was whatever needed to be um when i started and you know it it was great and people gave me opportunities and then from there it just went on but i was willing to do whatever whatever it takes. And I think that's, you know, flexibility in real estate is a huge, huge thing because you have to be ready. You don't know what's coming next. Like you can prepare as much as possible, but you better be ready to be flexible. And when things like coronavirus and get ahead of that, because if you're just like, oh, well, that sucks. Like, okay, how's that helping anyone? Right. So did you guys see that coming? Speaking of coronavirus. Speaking of, I mean, did you were you able to prepare for that before, or was it kind of like, oh, this is here now, we need to. I mean, when people started, I started like we started putting things in place pretty early because I was terrified of someone infecting their like ninety two year old nana or things. But it was it was pretty easy for us to shift into, um, like, shift around it and. Make sure, okay, so these are the technologies we need to do 3D tours, and those are going to be up on every house before this day, you know, so that our clients, my biggest thing is not having clients ever have, like, a negative effect because they chose me, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if anything, I, I should be there to make their lives better, not, you know, so if someone has a negative effect because they chose, like, it's soul crushing to me. So I try to limit that as much as possible by being on top of things how long was it before you guys realized that was about to happen like march april i mean so march is when we started getting masks and stuff you know we were doing it even before saint patrick's day parade was closed off i mean we we tried to be as much on top of it we ordered tons of shoe booties and gloves and stuff we you know um and we had our virtual tours ready so we, we tried to pretty much have that all in place before you know the end of that the end of march like you can't just sit back 
even if people thought it was only going to be, hey, everybody's just going to sit home for two weeks and then like this is going to come thing. It's not going to hurt you to be overprepared. Right. Yeah. I never think it. I mean, if you ask anyone on our team, you they will tell you it doesn't hurt. I'm like, it doesn't hurt to over communicate. It doesn't hurt to blah, blah, blah. Like it doesn't hurt us to be more prepared or more ready for what could happen or any eventuality. Once, um, so now that the coronavirus is kind of, first off, did you guys see any kind of decline in sales or anything during that time? I mean, there's definitely things that have affected the market during that time. I mean, the Gulfstream layoffs, which were, you know, that was, that was a pretty big effect to the pooler market, you know, SCAD not coming back in session. Yeah. That's been huge for the rentals. That's huge for rentals. And it's also huge for people who are trying to sell in like the downtown midtown area. But we have a lot of other folks who are moving here from other things, you know, other places. And it's it's been good to, like, we had certain feeder markets before, and I'm always big on following who our feeder markets are and where the people are coming from. And so those have shifted somewhat. But it's, as long as you're paying attention to the data and where things are coming from, like, there there's a lot out there so that you can be pre- prepared. But yes, the coronavirus, without a doubt, has affected the market. What and- are our biggest feeder markets? Atlanta is one of our biggest feeder markets. It is now moved more to like, we have a lot from New York, New Jersey, um, actually a lot from Philadelphia. Uh, Ohio's always been one. Um, I know it's weird, but like Atlanta by far is our biggest feeder market. Okay. I never heard that before. Everybody always mentions New York, but I never hear. No, Atlanta for sure. Yeah. Like people want to get out of the, um, how busy it is. Like the thing, I mean, I'm from Atlanta. I didn't. Okay. I wouldn't go back there. I I love talking people out of it, like winning them from Atlanta. I mean, <laughs> Atlanta's great. Like, and there's some great investments in Atlanta too. I'm not trying to undercut. And but it is a market that is definitely has bigger things that could affect it that you can't be as prepared for. Which I always, I obviously can't stand. So. What do you think? How do you think that's going to transform? So eventually SCAD is going to come back, right? Right. So now you're going to have all those new people that are still pouring in from all those states, northern states and from Atlanta. Right. And then once SCAD comes back, and I'm sure those layoffs at Gulfstream, that's cyclical, right? You think that'll come back? Because, I mean, like I always hear Gulfstream lays off a bunch of people, then they bring a bunch of people back and they lay off. Like, in your opinion, what happens with? Uh, I mean, I like I've heard some different things from different heads over there. So I, I wouldn't want to. I I don't know that they're done with layoffs this time. Okay. Um, but yes, they do hire, and there's there's definitely, you know, things coming in that way. I mean, all in all, Savannah is going to be, I mean, pretty positively affected at the end of this. I feel by everything that's happening. I mean, if you could live anywhere, if I could live anywhere, I'd choose Savannah. Do you think there'll be a lull at all? Like, do you think that this market will see any kind of decrease? Yeah. So usually we did talk about the decrease during December. I think that um, our, from the October to November, especially during election season, yeah. um, that's always historically happened. I think that shifts in the market are definitely bound to happen. Usually, at, though, the year after an election, things mm-hmm. go back up. But, I mean, the real estate market is cyclical. The only thing we can do is be prepared and ready to shift with it um and you know make sure you have the contingencies if you're buying that thing for a flip what's it going to look like as a hold is that doable is that a 
you know, something that it would be feasible then. If not, like maybe we should reevaluate. Right. How do you plan for that though? Like, how do you, so like, do you think that that's coming soon? Like a, any kind of like I mean, downturn? Th- in I feel like there's really, really educated, well-paid economists who have said <laughs> either way. So like, I wish I had my crystal ball that could just tell me. I, I think that I, I've tried to be as educated on this as possible. And I don't think that there's a clear consensus. Um, I think that the low interest rates, even though there was a lot of people scared of buying because of coronavirus and things that were happening, I mean, they still bought yeah. a lot more than people thought would. Yeah. You I mean, know? We sold a house in the middle, like in May. Yeah. No, yeah. I've sold houses for higher than what before coronavirus started. I'd have it under contract and then people walked away because they were scared of coronavirus and we'll sell it. For, I mean, it, listen, I, I don't think that coronavirus by any means is the end of the city. I just think that at this point, and I try to always be prepared for any kind of shift that could be coming or any eventuality. I like plan A, B, C, D. Um, so, but this is a time when I think it's important to have a B or a C, especially if that's not, I, I don't care what you're going into or buying. I, I try to talk to my clients about that all the time, no matter what it is. Okay, so this is your single, how many, how many years are you gonna be here? Okay, what are you gonna do? This is what it would rent for when you're not here. Is that feasible? You know, if you furnish it, then it can do this. Like, does that not make sense? Okay, so let's let's talk about that. I mean, it is not going to hurt you to make a great or like well-informed real estate decision. Nobody is ever going to be mad about that later. I don't think they might be mad at you then, as you probably think. I am not anyone's yes man. Like the. If you want someone who's like, oh, look at the trim and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not ever going to be me. And that's okay with me. Like, I'm the one who has to look at myself in the mirror. So I, I'm not going to be like, oh, you you love it. And that's great. And you, you fell in love with its barn door. Wonderful. I mean, I mean, I am when I'm selling it. But not when <laughs> I'm representing buyers. Then I'm like, dude, this is not... Buyers want to, like, a lot of them want to buy over the most ridiculous, like, it has lime trees? What? Like, stop it. We can buy lime trees. Listen, they are $59 at Lowe's. Like, let's do that. Right. Right. It's not worth paying 10000 more because it has lime trees. Right. Like, stainless steel is 2K. Come on. you Don't get super excited just because Instagram and Joanna Gaines told you to like it. Like, that, this is something you can add, especially a lot of our clients are young. Uh, they, you know have a fresh take on things. They, they're they willing to listen because usually if they're not, then they're probably not my clients. Um, just because, I don't know, I guess I work mostly from referral and people who done things. So, you know, I, I do think I have a number of clients now and I'm like, buy this and they, they will buy it. They don't need to see it. They don't need to hear anything else about it. Like they're, they're okay. But that reputation wasn't built overnight. No. Right. Right. Takes time. It does. And you have to know what you're talking about. Like, you have to be right a lot. And then then that happens. Like, once you make – but they should trust you. And if I'm talking to any expert in another field, like, if I go to the best doctor, best brain surgeon, and he's like, I think you should do this, I'm like, okay. Like, cool. Because I trust 
trust that you're gonna tell me what's right like done it a lot before cool what's a time do you remember a time in which you've been wrong like real wrong on a on a buy is there one that stands out like real wrong like um, real wrong i'm guessing it would have been early on i mean i'm i don't know maybe i would i was probably more conservative back then when like there's some things that you know the market changed or like laws changed about vacation rentals and i was probably more conservative than i should have been like hey you know this this area appreciates like this because i was looking at historic data and and instead of what like would happen when maybe i didn't study enough in other cities of what things were happening but i i feel like i tried to be in front of most things and was like hey anyone who's in these districts get your vacation rental certificate i don't care if you don't need it um ever super wrong about one um i think if i was nobody's been brave enough to tell me <laughs> but they're like if a client was i've never had one where my client bought it and we had to sell it for less oh okay like i've never had yeah i feel like that's a great thing i don't know if a lot of people can say that, that been i mean for... i tr yeah i i mean there's not I don't have any like black marks like that, but it's because we talk and sometimes people's things change and maybe they need to move in a couple years and it's not as much equity as they, but like, usually I'm like, Hey, if this is your forever home, we won't have to talk about this. But if it, it isn't, then like, these are the things we're going to need to, to discuss. So you were talking about, um, maybe loss of potential gains, uh, with the Airbnb thing. So what, what's the story behind that? So the laws changed and... So like we were already seeing, I feel like almost a 10 to 15% difference in like condo units that allowed vacation rental certificates versus didn't in mm -hmm. um, before vacation rental laws ever changed, before they put the limitations and stuff on it. So I probably saw, thought that was a great indicator of what, what things were and... Now, I would say the value of a certificate, it, it could be exponentially more, depending on the property. So maybe I underestimated how, like... Valuable that would be. Valuable. That, I mean, I still told all my clients to do it, but I maybe didn't tell everyone that they should, you know, occupancy rates have been driven up. Like, there's a lot different with, and at that time too, I was looking at a lot of, data from vacation rental companies and it took me time to find ones with the numbers that are really impressive right like i'm looking at the ones that have like 72 percent occupancy because those are the big ones yeah and they they're eating into your profit this much so it wasn't quite the same investment as i think it would be now but i think that's why it's important i mean i own or we own short-term vacation rentals long-term rentals executive rentals I, I feel like in my soul, if I could walk, if I walked away tomorrow, then I would be fine. I could fine. live off real estate investments because I try not to be a hypocrite. I try to do what I tell my clients to do. Nathan probably would have a different opinion because he, he would like 50,000 of passive income a month to 
to get out there, but uh, we are not there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good number. I mean, I, I, I don't like he broke it down to me, but like that's his his set thing. Um, but we'd be we'd be fine, totally fine. I'd still want to wake up every day and do this. Um, there, and when you have those things, you can see exponentially how those things have grown. And nobody, I, I mean, I think that there wasn't data like there is now where you could track that and see it. You were just seeing what certain you know, companies told you and income from a few different properties or same thing for like executive rentals. There wasn't as much data. There wasn't like a database like Furnish Finder or something where you could kind of see that centralized. And I felt like I tried to be on top of it. But even then, a lot of stuff was just piecemeal around. So it was harder. So it sounds like you guys are super data driven. Yes. So where are you? I don't know if this is like a trade secret, but like, how are you getting that data? How am I getting like any what? like, you know, so like you're talking about like um, on these vacation rentals and stuff. So, so like having them having vacation rental co- like uh, now we have clients who we work with for years and we've been able, because they work with us, uh, you know, now they have managed 30 plus properties four years ago. They did nothing like they didn't even know what a vacation rental was. So. We, we use their data a lot. We look at their um, statistics. I Over time, you get the statistics for a lot of the outstanding properties around here, and you kind of see what people are doing. You talk to a lot of the investors who own the most amount of properties here. Like, I've, I I try to, you know, talk to different vacation rental, like, companies out on Tybee, and, you know, I the expert out there I go to him and he's like hey pools will bring an average of 50% more income okay like show me great and then you have that understanding and go from there but it every day you should be asking those questions if there's something if there's a reason something's outlying something's selling for more selling for a higher why okay like there is a reason it's not Everything that is one an outlier, there's a reason it's an outlier. I mean, maybe one in a million is like a crazy person. Right. But I don't think so. Like, I think that there's something had to drive that crazy person to do it, like to buy, to wave that appraisal and do the thing. I mean, so what are those things? So you're just, you're just leveraging relationships and just what, when, if you see like an outlier, do you... Just start calling agents and trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. Or? I mean, when there's an outlier, I, I usually look through. Yeah, I want to know the financials. I want to know why this is an out. Usually, hopefully, the outliers are mine. Right. <laughs> but yeah, like no, I want to know how if they did something special to target a market that's that's not here. Did they post it? You know, like for a long time we've been using groups like the Airbnb from Atlanta group, like the yeah. short-term vacation rental owners from Atlanta group and other things like investors worldwide and targeting those markets. Thankfully, like the social media and it helps us really, really reel in on those. And here, a 10% cap rate is not that exciting. Other places like New York, they're super excited over five. Like oh, yeah, really, yeah. really excited. In California, same thing. I mean, and the buy-in is so much higher. These these people are ecstatic. And it's just, if they're not, it's because they're not getting the information. And that's our job. How did you come up with that philosophy? Is that something that you got from? 
Um, I think it's like the marketing part, the we should be always looking for the demographic. But I I think because those outlet like everything should be anything you see in the market, anything you do. I think it's so important to be a constant learner of stuff and to take that. I think that there's a lot of agents who are super great salespeople, but like those are not necessarily my people. Like I think the ones that are really great have the heart of a teacher. Money will come if you do the right thing. If you make other people money, like it's even going to be, they're going to tell their friends, they're going to be super happy. They're like going to be able to live this life that they couldn't. And they are going to be the stronger, like strongest advocates for you. Sorry. No, you're okay. Oh, I'd never talk this much. I don't think. <laughs> um, so if salesmen are not your people, like how do you, how have you built out your team then? So my team are not the people who are like, like when we sit down with them, we try to look for culture from the beginning. It, it should be about, you know, we've had people who've been like, oh yeah, like I really want this because I want my beach house here. That's, that's adorable. Like, great. Happy that you have that kind of goal. But if your goal is not like a servant's heart or you're not going to put clients first, you're probably not going to be the best fit for if you don't want to learn if you don't want to be part of our dorky book club if you don't want to attend this there is probably a better team that's a better fit for you and you won't have to go through this stuff right so really you just centered on culture yes how have you um and that started with hire one or did was that like a learning curve oh my god i'm the worst hirer ever there i was like because I, I have like clients are so high up there that like people who work for me, I, I think I like, ugh, I'm so glad I don't have like a professional HR because at one time I was like, what if we had a samurai sword for the office so that if someone lets a client down, like you don't have to kill yourself, but you know, like an honor suicide, but maybe like cut off a toe or something. Like that's just a slight, <laughs> like we, you know, this is their biggest thing. You, we should be there for them. Like this is, this is super important to them. Um, so I think people, definitely clients know that about me. Um, I think most people in the industry hopefully would say that about me as well. Like I, I think, um, how I show up for clients and how, you know, what I'm willing to do to make things right or to make my clients happy. I, I hope that is illustrated, but yeah, it's definitely not, I don't want to be this assembly line, even though it's data driven of like, I meet you once and I run through my scripts on getting you to, and then you sign this document at the thing. I don't even bring closing. I mean, absolutely just not my style like I love their precious little faces I feel like this should be a relationship for love and you know it's it's a big investment I'm helping you make this decision and you have to trust me and like if you do I will do everything in my power to earn it right and um, the same thing for our team and so you just built off that built off that and like having specialists and I think when you know there's a lot of realtors who what I call chase a dollar and they would run from Tybee out to where, 
you know, Statesboro and are like, I'm the best to help you here. I don't, I don't think I am the best. I don't know that market that well. Like it, I would not be of benefit to you or super benefit to you. Could I try to learn it? Sure. Would I ever be this? No. I mean, there's, there's agents that come down from Atlanta to represent their things here. I don't even want to, I mean, and, and there's certain parts of marketing and stuff that are applicable for other areas, definitely. I mean, that stuff is easier. But really, if, if you're going to advise someone, you should know it. You should know it in your heart. You shouldn't just do it because, like, I, I hear all the time someone took something down at St. Simon's because it's, like, $3 million listing. And yeah. I'm like, <sighs> like, it's maybe they learned enough. But in my, like, I just wouldn't have the bandwidth or – I know that I wouldn't be the best. So where exactly do you yourself cover then? Like what's your specialty? So my specialty would be like, I think it's an investment, right? It's in appreciation. It's in um, like, I, I love the markets that are going to appreciate super well for clients. Um, I think those are super important. I, I do like, I think numbers can make sense in a lot of places, but it is hard to have the same subtle appreciation as you're going to have in like a lot of the historic districts or things where we know over time that historically this is appreciated this much. It, it's it's hard to manage those risks when you're looking at a place where there's 12 builders in a five mile radius and any shift in the market can make that super vulnerable. What do you think of everything that's been going on like in the east side, like uh, state streets and all that? I mean, because I feel like that's appreciated like rapidly. It has. Yeah, it totally has. Um, I mean, there's a lot of great investments out there. And I but I do think that a lot of the areas that maybe are affected, like Twickenham, like Twickenham is super popping right now. Um, outliers like that, when a market shift happens, sometimes they are definitely more vulnerable. Because so it's not necessarily like that a base there or whatever that established. What? I mean, no, I think that there is definitely I think there's opportunities in different areas people aren't looking at, like, you know, uh, out in Thunderbolt and thing. But for it, it depends on what you're looking for. Like my advice for a hold is definitely not the same as my advice for when someone just comes up to me and is like, I'm an investor. I'm like. Okay, well, that's so cute. <laughs> like, what kind of investor are you? Like, what do you do? Like, are you going to stay on top of someone if I hand you this thing? Or are you are you looking for a quick flip? And if so, are you willing to listen to what this needs, what needs to happen? I mean, those, it's totally a different buy usually than a long-term hold or an SCVR or an executive rental. Usually, usually those are not the same in my mind at all. What do you think about like the um, the east side right now? So I've been hearing like a lot of rumblings about like Cam Park, Jackson Park, um, even across to Kyler's Brownsville. Right yeah, on the, yeah. Um, we've heard we've heard it from a couple of guests on our show that they think that it's coming up. But what, I mean, what's your opinion? You're I mean, at I the definitely data. think that there's. I mean, there's just such a lack of affordable housing. Anytime you can get something cute redone under that two hundred price point, there are people who are willing to move into that neighborhood. Like, yeah. I think that there's definitely with the reurbanization, there's people who are are willing to do that. There's also, I think, a good amount of 
misinformation that that drives it. Um, I consider Kaya Roundsville the West Side, but I mean that's. Or I'm sorry, I said East Side, didn't I? Yeah. I meant West Side. Oh, West Side. I'm I was super like, sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. Kent that's Park a huge. Park and Jackson Park. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's all, all right. West Side. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, West Side. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. I was like, the East from from where? <laughs> no, are we no, talking? no. I'm like, super sorry. No, East West of Side. All no, right. no, West Side. Not West Savannah, but right. West Side. West Side. Yeah. I like especially being I love that that has opened up with a lot of the um, like SCAD development in there. I think those values have been insane. I think there's some great investments back there. There's a lot of commercial redevelopment. There's a lot of stuff. And it's only moving over because SCAD moved over a lot. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that so Montgomery Montgomery victory, Hall yeah. and they have the big like so Monty Hall's out there. There's a number of other SCAD that and it's. As that's moved, other things have moved. One West Victory, three West Victory, five West Victory, done. It, and I think that there's going to be a market for that SCAD housing again. Like art is typically something that you need to do in person, right? I do think coronavirus has been a game changer for a lot of the international students. Like some are less, like parents are less likely to have them come back here, I think. But it is definitely something that's going to drive and continue to drive things over in that field. I mean, right over um, behind the, uh, what's it called? What Salvation Army over there. They're putting in yeah. a food truck park and stuff. And then orchards, you know, we, we have clients who've had great appreciation there or great done a great job on flips over there. It is hard because there's not as much stuff for appraisal. Appraisal is an I mean, I feel like I go to battle with appraisers and not battle. Like most are super great. Reasonable. The local ones, like yeah. they'll look at your data and stuff. It's just the statistically, it's not always there. If the average price per square foot is $69 and you're you're pushing for 100 yeah, it's it's harder. But that is some of the only affordable housing close to town. So there's there's definitely some options there where people wouldn't have gone before. Um, I think that the migration over to, uh, I also think it's great to invest over by where they're putting new, the new arena, which in my mind is probably one of the worst real estate decisions that Savannah could have made <laughs> in terms of putting it there and that money spent on it. I mean, to be fair, but I do think that doesn't stop me from wanting to invest around it. It's amazing how many people in the real estate community hate that arena. Or it think that it was a huge so waste. So fiscally irresponsible. And I know that we're in and thing and, you know, Alderman's kids got contracts to, to to be the cleaner. Like, it was just such a, there's just no statistical data to back it up from a real estate perspective of like other similar size city. Like, nobody's had it where it's been so far out of the district and the parking situation. Like, who's going to go down that? I mean, it to me, it was really... It, it does disappoint me. I feel like I s continuously see, and maybe less so now, ridiculous decisions by um, the city government in terms of real estate. And it, it does. It hurts my soul a lot. Like, it, it does. You know, the blind bidding process and having the water building downtown listed for eight and they take four. Like, Where they took four? No, I think they took... Uh, it was supposed to be six and then they took, I mean, or it was listed for 12. It, it was a lot. And like people would have, actual people would have bid on it if it was 
more so it was like a whole convoluted thing and it wasn't actually on the market and you know like or how many places did they buy for the different police precinct before they finally put it there and there was other empty lots for sale in the same neighborhood for 300,000 less and then they didn't have to pay the 1.5 to relocate the people to the block over I mean it, it does hurt or the fairground I mean there's just been a lot of bad real estate decisions by this and I I mean I do feel like more people are getting involved when maybe the you know NPC and the thing but for a long time it hasn't been in I think the public's best interest or in a fiscally responsible way do you think that it's like just incompetence or do you think that it's like nefarious um I don't know if it's I mean I would like to think that everybody believes they're doing the best for the things but maybe they think they're doing the best for the things and getting someone a job you know like maybe it's both of those things um and they're helping out their friend who's buying the lot and they're walking away, you know, and it's also going to, it, I mean, I would like to think that they feel like it's probably killing two birds with one stone. Um, and I think things have definitely changed now. I don't know if it was actually, if it was this mayor and this council, I, I don't know if, um, if it would be the same with the, the arena. I don't know. Well, the arena was going to go up before anyway, right? Before this mayor was elected in. Yeah. Yes. So it was so already like set before. So it's like a systematic problem. Right. Yeah. So it's not like he got to say absolutely. And he loves it's in his district. Totally. Get it. I, I get it. Um, I just. Is it the best use of our money to drive people to Savannah? Well, plus, do you think that that arena is going to bring that neighborhood up that much? Or do you think that that all that new traffic and all this stuff, who's going to want to live there? I mean, I think that there's people who are going to want to live. I mean, have you seen the stuff now? It's like, I mean, the arena would be, I think, preferable than the current. I, yes. Yeah. Things. And I, I think that it will add value to the neighborhood, but I don't think that it would affect our market and affect the benefit of if say it was put in that Savannah Wharf project or like right down there. Oh yeah, or, that'd be perfect. Or if it was like down by the warehouses that burned out on President Street, like then that would have been a super walkable, easy, you know, do I think it would have had, and would we have had to spend the same amount of money to have a property that's under the water level and have to do this whole, con I mean, those are, those are hard questions. Plus and, it might still flood out anyway, I'm told, I heard. I like, mean, it might not even fix the whole problem, right? Like, right. I So there's I heard somebody, another investor, he had like a great point. He said, if the city can't be trusted to run a cafe in Forsyth Park, how can they run an arena in on the way on the west side? I mean, that's that's a fair. But the the city has changed, right? The city government yeah. has changed. There's been a handover. I think it's always going to be hard with Savannah when we have this like alderman system as opposed to the like straight up mayor like for charleston who can make these overlying decisions and look at the stuff like they have a lot of people to keep happy what is the alderman system so what i mean can you give some so insight on how the each district has its own alderman and the aldermans are selected from their district they they make up the city councils this you know the mayor does not have as much power here it's more of a city county county voting city council voting situation so it's not like 
they have this this thing i mean they have power it's just not the same as if they had all the power and you have these different districts that want these different things and everybody wants to bring these projects home to their own to their own district and i do think now we have some great alder people who are really looking out for the future of savannah and you know but do we always have that? No. Did we always? I mean, what's the difference between an alderman and a councilman? Do you know? So they're on the city council, right? But I mean, like between like a traditional city council and the way that Savannah does it, like do those aldermen have so like a more city power? council system is is kind of different than a mayoral system. So there's all different ways to name the same thing. Okay. So it, it's pretty similar to a like like a tr- city council, but in. It's just the mayor would have way more control, and it's not like a, a voting down the line thing. Okay, I got you. So the mayor has a lot more hoops to jump through with the aldermen's than right. like your right. typical. Right. Okay, I got you. Um, okay, let's shift gears a little bit to away from the city. To my understanding, I should say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you a little bit earlier. So you're talking like you guys don't have a TV. You're constantly focused, working, no hobbies. <laughs> How do you keep yourself from getting burnt out? Like, do you get burnt out? Um, I, like... I don't know, because clients are so different. Everyone is like this own special little snowflake. And so it's not like I do the same thing every day. It's every house is different. Every person's goals are different. So I think it's hard. I mean, I do. I guess I foster dogs. I um, And I mean, by that, I mean, I have a doggy door and just supply them food and they go to camp. So basically, I don't do anything there. But I, you know. I, love. I mean, you must work like an insane amount of hours, right? Yes. So like, do you ever just get feeling burnt out from just doing that all the time? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, but I don't have any chill. Like I have no, when people are like, oh, well, chill. like that makes me super uncomfortable. Uh, even people are like, oh, congratulations. It's a closing day. And I hate closing day. It means like clients going to break up with me and they don't need me anymore. I mean, and I have to sit there still for an hour. Like, that's that's a horrible thing. I don't want to do either of those things. You don't like the check? I mean, the check shouldn't be the poor. I mean, the check is like... Afterthought. Yeah. Whatever. The check, the ch- but it means like someone that has been an important, you know, or I've been an important part of their life. Like, I don't... Now they don't need me anymore. It's moved... It's the same thing with like, I guess, with foster dogs that you get to be part of their like happily ever after, but then they don't need you and move on to their... That's a really interesting way to think. So you really value every individual client like a lot. I mean, but that's because I'm in a, I guess I've been in a position that I don't, I'm not everyone's agent for sure. And I don't think that I'm the best agent for every person by any stretch of the imagination. I think that, you know, you have to be willing to listen. You have to be like, you know, I mean, if you're a jerk. like there's someone who's better for you who's also a jerk like you guys should be together and yes i i don't need that but thankful like all of my best friends it's super sad are clients which is really sad but the thing is you are you're gonna make the average salary of the top five people you spend the most time with who are you gonna spend more time with than them and we should be empowering them to make more money and like that only reflects better you know, you want to keep raising your ceiling. The same thing with the team. Like, everybody on my team needs to be making a certain amount by their second year in. Like, if we don't, I think, I do think that a high tide raises all ships. 
And so be that high tide, accept the high tide, like make sure that everyone is benefiting and then you're just going to grow too. How many people are on your team? 10. 10. Dang, that's a pretty good sized team. So it went from, so how long ago did you start the Chelsea Phillips team? Us, God, I don't even know. Um, Four, four years ago, maybe. Okay, so that's a pretty good growth trajectory, 10 in four years. Yeah, I I mean, it was. Was it ever bigger? Like, have you nimbled it at all? Or has it always been like a. There's always time we've helped people see that there was probably better opportunities for them if, you know, they weren't our culture or right. they, you know, I, I think the same thing about like, like every day you're with the wrong person, you're a day away from, you know, like it's a day you're not with the right person. Right. So the same thing with like business and stuff. I don't think that our team is for everyone. I don't think that our stuff is for everyone. And that is totally okay. I am more than fine with that because everybody should be. Like with the people, I understand people like nights and weekends. I don't understand. I don't want them, but I, you know, I, I understand not everybody wants to answer that phone call then, or that they're not going to care that this person was let down by this. That's, that's okay. I mean, they have to make those type of people too. There's more than one way to live life. Yeah. That's how my wife tells it. No, um, <laughs> that's a good way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. Cause I always try to find like a good way to put it. Um, and she said that and I was like, she's like, why are you getting so upset about these, all these people? Cause I get upset. I used to get upset right. about the fact that I felt like the people around me weren't wanting to drive living. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a good way to put it. And, and finally after her watching me be in misery for a while, she's <laughs> like, listen, there's more than one way to live life. Like, why don't you just, right. they can live how they want to live. I don't understand. Right. You like, can either, right. they can either accept your help and like, they can go with you on this journey or not appreciate your help. And then they have a different journey and that's. Totally. I think whether people use me or not or what they have, you know, they, they get exactly what they deserve. That's probably mean. Yeah, that's like a mean way to put it. I mean, kinda. but what if they deserve is what if they get happy? I don't know. You reap what you sow, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like you. I mean. Yeah, I do think that you get. Yep. Yeah, I mean, whether you choose me or not. And that's probably why, like. Obviously, my clients are geniuses because they like me, so I should be best friends with them. But, you know, you love, you get to see their growth up close when they grow from that, you know, being military, active duty, and with two rental properties to 36. Like, how good is that? Like, when you see their family vacations and stuff on Instagram, like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. You know, I have clients and he's, engineered Gulfstream and like they've been able to adopt a child from a third world country like what what the hell like how else could I do that for someone that they can make that much in passive income that they were able to I don't know so and when you see that and you get to be a part of it like you want to continue to be a part of it right so I am the client you know the I do I've gotten to a ton of client weddings I've actually have eight that have been married from me setting them up. Like I probably get too involved in their lives, but I'm like, I already did this for you. So also here's a dog that you should have because you have a big yard now. And then these are these three things you should also have. Like I'm constantly, uh, yes. Yeah. I should stop that. So are you constantly following up with your clients then? I'm guessing it's, I don't know if it's as much about, I don't consider it like following up. 
it's more like, hey, Circa's having a huge sale and I know you need a chandelier for that. So like, let's go. I got passes to get in early. Or, hey, I just saw this at, a th- you know, blah, blah, blah. Let's do this. So I, I don't consider it following up. But also I'm like, hey, these people just moved to town and you guys are from the same area and, you know, you have kids the same age. Like, let's have a dinner. And that's harder to do now with Corona. But I think and then everybody just gets together and talks about how wonderful you are. And that's what everybody should be talking about. So, yeah. Yeah. It's it. Follow up is not I'm not good at like, remember to turn back your clock or such. I, I know there's agents who like I get them the the fall forward or the like recipe of the month. And I'm like, please, I would rather be stabbed in the eye multiple times. Do I look like someone who's going to sit down and follow a rest? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, I, I don't think it's follow up when it's intentional or when it's or I guess I just wouldn't use that that thing. But I know when something happens, like you're a pretty big party of their life. You know what they need. You know, hey, like I just found this deal on cabinets. I know you wanted to replace yours at this. Here's the got Right. It's just about thinking about people. How are you thinking about that all the time? Because I'm guessing by this point in your career, you've had hundreds of clients. Oh, uh, over a thousand. But like, they're still. Like, can you remember? Yeah. All the individual details about them? I mean, I sometimes I forget certain things, but I always remember like the house, the properties that I've been in <laughs> and their dogs names. And sometimes their kids, too. <laughs> but always the dogs. Definitely the dogs. For sure the dogs. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I I would like to think that there's, I mean, it's not like you get to know these people for five minutes and or I'm the agent that's like, oh, you called off of the thing. Like, let me show you these two houses you wanted to see. It's like, oh, where do you want to go in life? Like, how long are you going to be here? What are your goals? Like, and then how can we get you there? So... I would like to think that I, uh, I mean, and I try to know about the the deals everybody on my team does with their clients too. And they're, they're super emotionally attached. I mean, if not, maybe we're probably not the best team for them, for the agent. I got you. Okay. Um, is it going to, do you, I'm guessing you want to get bigger. Like, do you want to grow? Like, growth has never been a goal of my Like, I want to help more people, and I feel really bad when people have crappy agents. Like, I feel bad when I see them have bought something and I have to deal with the consequences, you know, because maybe they didn't warn them about something or, you know, there's times when they've been outright just brought, like, people have bought stuff because they think it can be a vacation rental in an area that don't. Like, that hurts my soul that someone did that to them. And I do feel like it's kind of like my responsibility or to save them from bad agents. And so that's what drives me, but it's not about, I'm really bad with financial goals for myself. You know, like that's never how I see things. I, I'm not financially motivated. I think money is only equated to happiness to a certain amount. According to, for instance, anything over that mouth is butter. And if you do the right things, you're going to make that amount. So it's not, like, I mean, do you have, like, 
service area goals or you know anything so, like, like that. that has been more around like who the team is and what their specialty is like right so we have like a richmond hill special he's great his you know kids go to school there his he like he lives he knows everything about those but or an island specialist who it's more about making sure i'm aligned with someone who can really do that because if if they're not going to do it i don't need it i don't want it like i don't want anybody to like ever if you ask my friend like the worst thing that I think someone could ever call me is like nice because that means like I wasn't any more to them I was just like meh right I wasn't like she was amazing she transformed like these great like the worst feedback I could ever receive is like she was nice she sold me a house like oh great great that is <laughs> the worst imaginable thing to me it should be like she was such an advocate she negotiated the crap like you know i've never had another seen another real estate and i feel like when you look at our reviews that's what you see i mean i i don't want people who like like i either want you know if if i did this with you like you should either be diehard fans or something i didn't do to show up and then i need to figure out how to fix that so with your relationship or with your business so centered on relationships, how do you, how has Zillow been affecting that? So like, cause I mean, a lot of the initial call-ins and stuff, they, things do come from Zillow. I think there's a lot of agents who are like, I hate Zillow. I understand that. I mean, Zillow is, but the thing is like, as long as you understand the metrics of Zillow, like we can't ignore it. But I mean, do you think that it's going to someday work to replace? I think they already are brokers and yeah agents? and i think that anyone who is replaceable probably wasn't doing it the right way in the first place yeah so like, i mean if, but if, like, if, if someone's just opening a door for you and doing it and giving you a sheet like that's that's replaceable I get what you're saying. Okay. So, like, you think, like, the low-hanging fruit, the people that are doing the minimum, that's who it's going to replace, right. not necessarily the people that are I know. Let's entrenched. say most are there, but, like, if someone is, if if you're just opening that door, if you're handing off sheets, if you're doing a thing, if you're most of the realtors, like, you know, who are here to make, I mean, yeah, that's who it's going to replace. I think that's in any... Any industry as far right. as the internet goes. Right. Yeah. I, I mean... Hopefully, we bring way more value than that. And the day I don't bring that value, like... Maybe you deserve to be replaced? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I got you. I never heard it said like that before. Everybody else is like, oh, yeah, probably. Like, we need to be doing something about it. Well, I mean, you can be doing something by about it by being better. Like, by being... Getting things out more places. And do I pay Zillow every month? Yes. Totally do. Thousands of dollars. Why? Because 98% of people start online and a lot of those people are going to go to Zillow and Trulia. And if my client's listings aren't featured, like I'm not going to get the same kind of data I can, the same kind of measurements of like click-throughs and statistics. And I need that to, to best benefit them. So it costs thousands every month for Zillow. Dang. But that puts you at the top of the list. Uh, it's not. I mean, there's people who spend way more on Zillow and stuff. It's more about having, being able to claim, you know, claim your, and having featured listings there. Okay. So to me, so it's really it's more not, about pushing your listings to the top than it is about 
Right. Yeah. It's, I feel like everything almost should be about service to clients. Like I know a lot of people, I, I really hate the fact that Chelsea, it, like that it is such a name or face or whatever driven com- thing. It's Chelsea Phillips with the Chelsea Phillips group with extra Chelsea, too much Chelsea Phillips. Like that is not what it should be. It should be about um, like the level of service you provide, the, how you, how you change things and like a standard of service. Cause Standards are replicatable and our team has standards. It's it's not something like I expect every person on my team to do what I would do for a client. Have you ever thought about changing your name then? Like not your personal name, but I mean the and name I of your team. And I think we did that when we did it to Six Bricks Realty. But yeah. there is a lot of brand recognition with real, and there is an old school style of doing it and people trust that. They trust a name at this point. Like there's times when I'm like being introduced to a group and they're like the Chelsea Phillips. And I'm like, shut up. Stop that. How dare you? I love it. <laughs> Stop talking right now. Um, but I mean, I really, that part of it, if I had started in a different way, I probably would not have done Chelsea Phillips group. Right. Yeah. I probably wouldn't. Have. Is there really any way to like change that now? Do you think? I mean, we still have Chelsea Phillips group. We have inside of a brokerage, but you know, there's notoriety. It says Chelsea Phillips have been voted best realtor for the last eight years. Like, oh yeah, I was going to congratulate you. I just saw that. Thank you. Good job. Thanks. So it was like a perfect timing because that just happened. It did just happen. Who, uh, what publication was that through? I was gonna connect. Connect. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this is your eighth time in a row. Yeah. Dang, that's pretty crazy. So it was like my first year here, and like this sweet single mom, like nobody would pay attention to her because she was a super low budget and. Her agent had actually told her to start going to see houses with listing agents just so that he didn't have to show them property. And I met this girl and like she's single, so cute. And I I love it. So they bought their first property for 80 and then two years later sold it for 125. Like I love that stuff. But she was super excited. And so when we got her her killer deal and it was a foreclosure and we ended up installing like fans the night before at midnight before closing so that it could go through an fha approval like it was probably i probably shouldn't admit that on the air but like all of these things like she did a huge it, it was very nice but she was like everybody you have to do this and so she started a thing and then it's just gone from there but everybody when i went first time they're like who the hell is this chick and that's fair fair does that gain you a lot of um, calls? Like when that first goes through, do you get a bunch of phone calls like the next week? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I feel like that's like, I don't want to say people who read Connect Savannah regularly don't buy houses. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just more like people trust, outsiders trust that like, hey, her heart might be in the right place. Like she's not, you know, she cares enough that people th- some people, maybe more than her mom, think she's like a decent human being. So, yeah, I know there's not tons of calls or anything like that. It's just, it it's nice that I think it bothers, I don't know who it bothers. Like, there's other agents who had like contests to win it and stuff and like give away things. And like, I've never, I don't know. That's not, that's not my my vibe and like if i did then would it mean the same amount to me probably you're like not. if you're like paying for votes kind yeah of no i mean i guess they're just encouraging people to vote and do a thing and they're not 
saying necessarily who they have to vote. I don't know, but it's just not, it's, it's not what I would want to, that it would diminish it for me. Right. Like it feels better that you won knowing you did, like you didn't push for it at all. Like right. It was organic. Yes. And I'm sure Nathan would probably say he's probably sends out emails or something like vote for Chelsea. So that's probably not a hundred percent true. Maybe I just have a really good partner backing me up, but I am the worst at being like, hi, look at me. Guess what? I want Like you should vote for me. You should do this. Like for me, I, I can never ask others for help. It makes me feel awful. Like if I owe someone $3, like it will eat my soul until I pay them three dollars like i can't i don't know i do not want anyone's world to be worse because i'm in it i got yeah have you always been like that or is that something that you've developed over time always consciously? been like that um i think it gets worse as i get old but i feel like i've always kind of not i so i like my first year in or I guess it was my second year in real estate, I lost my little sister and she had just become a realtor and she was so adorable and she had her like little notebook. It's like go for sale by owner or like go after for sale by owners, like, like a boss and stuff. And like, I'm just reading her little notebook, but, um, she went missing and then they found her. And, um, but I kind of felt after that, I really threw myself into work and then started working these crazy hours nonstop because I felt like I have to save enough people for both of us. Like I have to be the good, like for not just myself and it like, cause if she was here, people's lives would be better this much. Like now I have to do both of those things. So it, I think that shifted my mindset in the way that like, yeah, I, it's hard not going on vacation because I'm terrified of losing signal or doing things. But, I mean, it's also, would I feel okay if I left and someone needed something? Like, I wouldn't. It would eat me alive. Do you think if you wouldn't have lost your sister that you would still feel that way? I don't know. I probably not to the extent, because, I mean, I, like, you want to honor those who came before and you want to honor... Yeah, definitely. I mean, like that's, I mean, uh, losing somebody oftentimes is a huge motivation for people, right? Right. Like that, I think throughout history, that's been true. People, right. That changes somebody fundamentally. Right. Um, so I don't know if I would be exact. I mean, I always cared about client, but you know, I was back at work within three days and like doing the, because I can't sit still. I'm very, like my mind is always going if I'm to, I'm thinking of the 18 other things I should be doing or taking care of, you know, there, there isn't, I don't know. I, I do think that helping others bring, I don't know if I'd be the same person or if I would devote the same hours. Cause I think a lot of time, like at the beginning, especially it was like avoiding dealing with it. And then, but then it just became a oh, lot wow, like this is your, responsibility and i do think that the measure of our time on this planet is going to be by how many people's lives we made better i don't know what else it's not going to be how much money we made it's not going to be the thing it, it's not like in my mind it's not so um or i hope it's not because if so i'm screwed no i don't think it has i i do agree <laughs> i do think that at the end it's going to be yeah who 
I mean, who have you helped the most? Yeah. Or, you know, how like, many people have you helped? And Or, like, if you're not... Within your capacity to do so, you know? Right. If you're not... He- like, did you have an impact on this world or did you not? Like, how big was the impact? Like, you make an impact by giving back. And, you know, if it wasn't real estate, um, I probably would be working at a nonprofit, which Nathan would hate. But <laughs> do you have I like would, a nonprofit that you support? Yeah. Like I have a ton of nonprofits I support, but I always um, like, I don't know, sexual assault victims and puppies or like dog, you know, things that can't help themselves. Like yeah. those things like eat Innocent my soul. Yes. Victims. I, I really like um, the nonprofit here. I like a lot of them, but Coastal Pet Rescue hugs is a great one i don't know if you've heard of them but they are phenomenal they uh do and i sponsor their costume contest they're doing it online this year for boobash everybody should check that out but they um they do like a hand up instead of a handout so they have like 15 dollars counseling sessions Mm -hmm. for like parents who've lost their kids and all these things and there's there's no low cost like couples counseling or anything or for children I mean, if you don't have insurance, you're pretty much screwed. Right. Yeah. So definitely. the fact like, and it's not even $15, like you can get around it by working there or cleaning up stuff, but it, it gives these people like I do like a hand up. I I think you should teach, teach people to fish instead of, you know, give them your fish. Right. Right. That's kind of interesting. I never heard of a, um, like a nonprofit counseling center that runs like that. I know it's, it's really, they should do that for more services. Really? I know. They, they totally should. Um, you hear about it, like there's like some restaurants in India that do it, whether you clean up. But really, there's not, I don't know. I, I think it's really a great cause. Um, you know, I the, um, the Rape Crisis Center was a big one. And I know they've gone through some changes in leadership. But there's a lot of causes that tug at my heartstrings. But most of them are related to things that can't defend themselves yeah yeah i got you yes i think oh sorry go ahead go ahead no you go ahead what are you gonna say i i don't even remember (laughs) (laughs) um i was gonna ask so um that's kind of i think that me and my wife were definitely the same so anything one time we went to a, a banquet for uh uh kids that were sexually assaulted and they told the statistics on how much money that brings in versus how much money uh, animal rescues bring in. And it's, like, crazy how little. It's horrific. Because they said, like, they they think, their theory was because you can't put traumatized kids on TV, but yeah. you can put animals on TV. Right. And that's where they're drawing the most money. Yeah. Um, But it is pretty sad. You know, like, it's there's, like, super a real sad. problem going on. So, I... I totally think that I think that a lot of times those are ignored unless you guys look in those because they can't make a poster child for that. Right. Like, oh, they yeah. Um, but they are horrendous issues. I don't know. There's people who are like, oh, you like dogs. And the, and I'm like, like, I don't care if you want to save whales. I don't care if you want to save like the Tasmanian bat, unless that's the one that causes coronavirus, in which case stop doing that. But like, I don't care. like as long as you care yeah. and show up for something like great you were making a difference same thing with voting like uh, i have i feel like i have so much more in common with people who vote no matter who you vote for than people who don't like i am sure there is a reason and a great one that you have to vote for that person 
And I like, I respect that. I think that this country is made from people who have their own, own like minds and you should have your own opinion and stuff. You can't be mad about that. I can't be mad about like what, like, no, I, I just think I have way more in common with that person or the person who cares a lot about anything, no matter what it is, than the person who doesn't. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Oh, I think that's a, I think, but I think that's common across high achievers, right? Like, I know you wouldn't, I don't, I don't know if you'd call your, label no. yourself that, but I think some people would. I think a lot of people would. Um, high doers, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that's like a common trait. Yeah, I hope I. I don't know. I have a very hard time with like that or like talking about. You know, that's so much more because there's so many people who've done more. Like, there's people who have. Well, there's always gonna be somebody people, that's done more, right? Like, jeez, like, if I could only take like you know, Mother Teresa out of the history books and maybe like 17,100 other people, then I could be best. But maybe until then, I should be pretty humble about any accomplishments. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I can respect that. Um, okay, shift gears a little bit. Okay. So who, where do you get like um, content from? Like, are you listening? Like, I'm guessing you're furthering your education all the time. Yes. Is there anybody that you're following, books you're reading, anything like that yeah. that stands out? I mean, I'm usually reading... Uh, but we talked about it a little before the interview, so I don't know if I'm allowed to refer to that. I probably am not, but like I do try to keep five yeah. books on my thing and, um, try to read through them. I love some podcasts. I like, I, I do try to go to those, me- you know, I love meeting David from, from bigger pockets and I love like, those are well, you great. met David from bigger pockets. Yeah. He's awesome. What? Yeah. He's so good. He's actually a Keller Williams agent. I knew that. Yeah. yeah and he big likes Keller Williams. things. Yeah, so he's, uh, but I, I do, I try to follow, I, I think the biggest thing in this business, people try to follow, like follow the profit, like the P-R-O-F-I-T, and I think the biggest thing is to follow your profits, which are the people who do business the way you want to do business. The people who are, like his strategy isn't, but there's a lot of people who, you know, if if your passion is burr, like, you should be listening to him. If your passion is like flip, like then there's a, you know, there's someone who is the best at each of these things and you can read their books, you can follow their podcasts and you're going to get what they're saying. But people just try to, I think this general idea of getting better is, is kind of hard because like we all have weaknesses and strengths. Like you should, if you have a weakness and you need to learn around that, great, then do that. But if you, you know, you should, definitely focus on your strengths and what you, what you're doing things that are applicable to this um we try to stay on top i've sat through more boring city council meetings than i could ever you know do i nathan's on the you know of a neighborhood association like i i try to get involved there and like what what's happening what's going on in the streets like i think that stuff's extremely interesting other people probably less so but to know what's what's going on with things, I mean, that's that's huge. So I guess I, I try to be a sponge that gets it from as many pa- places as possible. I'm, you know, started a Facebook group and now there's over 100,000 realtors in it for like, infor- yeah, like so dorky. What Facebook group? So, I mean, you have to be an agent to get it, but um, there's lead gen injections and the Nick Bald with lab code agent, like, there are people who are doing this and they're doing it in a 
quicker amount of time and they're better like and they are willing to tell you what they did i mean we've gone in and we've went to stay with the loken group in houston and they have the the biggest keller williams team in the they thousands of transactions and i actually by connecting people like it was actually one of my really good friends from savannah and she was moving out there and now she's the she's their vice president of the like so if you connect people and do things in the right way like people want to hear that they actually helped you and had an effect on your life you should not be afraid to reach out to those people on whatever social media like social media has made people so accessible like tell them that they will be so grateful and most likely they will want to help you or point you in the direction of other things that you know they'll suggest your next books you should read the next thing like I mean, that's huge. We should stand on the shoulders of giants every day. Like someone has already made that wheel. Use it. Stop trying to make a new one. That's a lot to digest, but yeah. I, I No, you're okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think like, I don't know where my thoughts going to go with that. But yeah, I do agree with you. Right. Yeah. And if my, if my goal was to build the biggest team or to grow, I, I feel like a lot of people's goal in real estate with big teams is to interact with a client less. Yeah. Right. Like they're, that's goal their is whole, to, yeah. Like they're trying to get out of the field. Yeah. And yeah. like, that's so sad to me. I would. So you'll would never want to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think, I don't see how I could. I even, you know, and there's certain, you know, at a certain point, you're supposed to just be a listing agent and not work. I feel like you lose track of what's on the market. And there's times when I have pricings for one of my best friends was $40,000 more than every other agent told her she could get it. And I had it sold in two days, but I knew what clients were looking for. And, you know, they had to do $1,800 worth of stuff. And that person has recommended me time and time again, like, how else could I give a family that? And they spoke with four other agents who gave them different prices of what to, they could get. And I mean, it was more than 10% of the property value. Like that's. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. But it's all about knowing. The, and I think when you just do one thing, like you just do listings, you're just seeing the houses you're doing. You're not seeing what's on the market. What's out, like you're not looking at that. Like you're looking at pictures, but you're not walking and seeing how awkward that layout was or right. how. Because pictures should lie. Like my pictures professional on point like it should be like dating pictures like 10 years younger 40 pounds lighter like they should look phenomenal but that does not tell the story if you walk through it you should know about whatever structural issues it had you should know about like there there's a lot that aren't there and that's why i think i should be able to go head to head with any appraiser too i should know that inventory a ton better than they do i should have walked it so that way there's no surprises right there's no surprises because i can tell you exactly what was oh like you think this is a comp well it had this wonky thing and it also had these three things there was popcorn ceilings i know you can't see it in the picture but i mean those are the arguments you have to make and you can't do that unless you've you've seen it yeah i i definitely i get what you're saying um well i mean but a lot of people don't have like the passion about the relationships i think I mean, I don't know about a lot of people, but it definitely seems like you're not like you're not common for somebody who owns their own team. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I, I should be like careful what I say because everybody I've met, yeah, like yeah. nobody's like, oh, I love money. 
but I mean, I think there's other ways to say I love money and it's just by like not like if that's your priority, then your priorities fall in line with that of growth of, you know, getting out of the, you know. Yeah. I Yeah. I should, let me roll yes, that because I, I definitely have had incredible brokers on here that yeah. definitely don't care about that care about people, don't care about the money, stuff right. like that. But I do think that it's uncommon to want to stay in the field. But maybe you just put for a long brokers. time. Maybe, yeah. I guess I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe Savannah has good brokers. You know, I do think, I think that the people that I follow from Savannah seem to care about people more no, than I, some of the people I follow in other I, spots. I don't know. Like they care more about the city. They seem to. They care more about the people they talk to. Obviously, I know that that's not true of every broker in Savannah or true of every broker in the country. Yeah. But per I, capita, I just feel that way about here. I mean, I think deep down people are good people. I don't think that's it. I think it's though a lot of them got into this business with different goals and they have different goals now as to what what they want things to look like and what they want, how they're going to grow and what their priorities are. And I mean, that's fine. We all need different people. It's just those are not my priorities. Like the waterfront house would make me happy it would probably annoy me with the gnats and like I'd, i don't even want to get on the boat like i'm worried about losing reception like these are just things that don't make me happy feel like filling other people's cup makes me happy there's and, more than one way to live life yes more yeah. than one way to live life and so everybody can have that and i i think that's why i tend to get clients who feel the same way like i think you attract the things so that's probably why my clients are high achievers and you know I think amazing people, but, um, what's the, um, I want to roll back a little bit before we got okay. off, before we got all crazy. Okay. What's the number one podcast you listen to and number one business book that stands out in your mind? Um, oh my God, I love so many of those. That's so unfair. Like what, like, is there like a go-to podcast? Like the uh, first one you listen to every day? I, um, I really like radical candor probably more than I should. I also like neighbor. I mean, there's, Tim Fair, that's so hard to say because a lot of the real estate ones, some of uh, all the episodes are so different. It's like uh, there's there's certain things I need to listen to when I'm trying to like or that I suggest a person who's like investing in this or doing this. But I think having one person, one voice, there's not. There's but you not. Ha you don't have like what? So you said radical candor. Yeah, that's like that would be your like that's your go. Like what do you mean, listen when you jump in the car in the morning or whatever? Whenever you I'm listen on to the phone, first. typically. Uh, so that's like, <laughs> but I have to be doing like four things. So like usually in the morning, I'm like trying to blow or put makeup on while listening to a podcast, while balancing on a thing so that I'm trying to get all my things done for one day. Um, but yeah, I, I do like Radical Crander a lot. I do like Tim Ferriss a lot. I, I mean, Nathan makes it, but usually it's whatever I need in that season is what I'm going after. And I'm specifically like doing I research to find whatever data that is for what I need to, to learn or what I need to improve on or. So you kind of change your focus of what you're listening to depending on. Right. Like if I see something come up, I don't, I hate it when someone makes the same mistake twice and I hate it, hate it when it's me or the team or the thing. So like once great like fail forward we should do that but like if you don't learn your lesson from that holy crap so it should be about like learning a system or process to make sure that doesn't happen again so i try to focus on whatever that season or that 
Oh my God. I sound like such a podcaster when I talk about a season of my life. Um, no, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, that was before podcasting. Right? Oh. That's like a biblical concept, seasons of life. Oh, I yeah, thought yeah, it was yeah. like a Rachel Hollis thing. So I'm no, no, that. no, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, no, she stole that idea. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about business books? Like, is there any book that throughout your career, like maybe early on in your career that you read that really changed? I mean, I think everybody goes to like the MREA, right? Does everybody? Wait, what is it? The MREA, the Millionaire Real Estate Agent. You're supposed no. to read that. Like I've heard of that though. They I've only talk about money, so it's really hard for me to resonate. Rich Dad Poor Dad is obviously. I thought you were gonna say. Yeah, yeah that's like, like one, you know, that's that's definitely um, a big one. I I really like. There's a book called. Um, persuasion by robert cialdini and it's statistic like it's super fact-based and like data-driven psychological studies because that was i i do love psychology and so it's like if you offer this versus this you're this much more likely to get more money you know and it's about finding people's emotional reasons and that's works great with sellers with other agents with stuff to make sure that they're you know, I'm doing as much as possible to make them receptive to what my client is saying or what my client needs. So that helps me. Like I'm, you'll see, I'm a dork about my list of sale price ratios and my buy to sell price ratios. Like I feel like that comes down to how good of a negotiator. And so I think that's important. I think everything in life is negotiation. And in candor, there's they say that the the conversation is a relationship. So important to make sure what you say is not that it needs to resonate with everyone but you can offend people you can like it is so easy to confuse what you're trying to say and then someone might believe the whole the whole wrong thing just because I didn't express it in an articulate way so I think I, I do really like Cialdini's book a lot um I'm going to have to look that up. The art, you said persuasion is what's called? It's called? persuasion. And he's like a professor and it's super fact-based, but it's like it helps with everything on how to write offers. Not explicitly, but it. I mean, it's really good about what, you know, it's like kind of like a Freakonomics book, but for, okay, yeah. but for like negotiations and stuff. I, I mean, I like, um, I really love the, oh, I just read it by Extreme Leadership. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's so Who is many. Extreme real- is that Jocko? Uh, no, uh, it's the Navy SEAL. Yeah. Is it Jocko? I, I don't know. Anyway, so I feel bad because yeah, I should, should know better. But that's yeah. a good one, though. Yeah. yeah. There's, I mean, there's so many really great resources, and that's like find your, pro- find, find the things that you need to work or will help you succeed the most in this business and focus on it. Don't just read it because three other people were like, this is a good book. Like, Read it because you're like, hey, what's the, like, I just messed up on something or I'm lacking in this area or I need to overcome this. Like, let me find out who I should listen to. Who's already, who's already been through this. Yeah, definitely. Um, Final question. Uh, Brand new real estate agent just got in the business today. Advice. What advice would you give them? Like, what would you have them do day one? They don't know anything besides whatever the real estate class taught them. Learn the market. Please learn the market. Please show up. Like there's a lot of real estate agents. There's not as many as I wish there were that cared or had that servant's heart. I mean, if you focus on money or the next sale or something, 
it's that is not going to create longevity and you are going to be super exposed when a market changes or when anything happens as opposed to if you are in it for the right right reasons and do right by people so your integrity and your how you show up for the like it matters it may not seem like it like that will benefit you so much more than you know that one call in or that extra few thousand or getting a bonus for taking them to a certain house like if you tell them to do the right like that's huge and and be willing to like learn and grow because it you need to there's a lot of people who are doing it better than you a lot of people who started different like find them get help from them don't make the same mistakes as they did you can stop that that seems like really good advice thanks all right thanks for coming on all right all right see ya Thanks. <laughs> hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. I just want to let you guys know that we now have a Facebook page, um, the MPG Real Estate Show Facebook page. Take, Give it a like, um, share this episode uh, on your social medias. Also, give me a, give me a, shoot me a text or a comment and let me know what you guys think. Um, I can also be reached via email, josh at mosler, M-O-S-E-L-E-R, perkinsgroup.com. And I really appreciate all the support. Talk to you guys soon.